Hi, this is Chris Marchand of Between the Songs Podcast. I'm here with Joe Cook to tell you about another podcast we've created, and we hope, if you've enjoyed Between the Songs, that you'll enjoy this one, too. It's called Nostalgic Future Podcast, and that's what it's all about. Chris and I dive deep into our nostalgia, all the pop culture stuff that we grew up with, and we examine how it's influenced our lives and how that continues today and into the future. So join us for fun discussions about some of our favorite movies, television shows, music, books. Really, nothing is off limits. We even have special guests on from time to time to talk about some of their nostalgic obsessions. Check out Nostalgic Future Podcast, available now on all the big podcasting apps. And you can also follow us on social media. It's Nostalgic Future Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And we're at Past Future Pod on Twitter. Nostalgic Future Podcast, where the past is the only way forward. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew Greer, and you are listening to Between the Songs Podcast. Welcome to Rich Mullins Between the Songs Podcast. Right now, we have a bonus episode for you, and we're excited to be able to bring you an interview with author and musician Andrew Greer. He has written a new book on Rich Mullins, and it's a collaborative work written with interviews from tons of people that knew Mullins and that were inspired by Mullins. It's called Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth, taken uh, from his his third album. Uh, By the way, my name is Chris Marchand, and my co-host here is... Joe Cook. Joe Cook. We're, We're happy to be able to bring this to you. I mean, the thing is, is our, our, our proper episodes are dealing with Mullins' albums. However, this is quite a, 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 a unique year. There's so much happening in, in, in Rich Mullins' like, releases and, and events that we just have to document it all. So uh, in a little bit, I'm going to be able to explain how I was able to interview Andrew. And it was actually a lot of fun. Uh, but I was able to talk to him about uh, the book that he wrote, as well as uh, this tribute album that he is going to be recording sometime in the next year. It's a tribute album uh, using Mullins' songs. So uh, anyway, we're going to get to that in just a second. But this is a bonus episode. Uh, but there's a lot happening, even in our own even in our own camp. Actually, I feel kind of like I'm, I'm not doing so much. I, I'm doing the interviews. But Joe, you're, you, are, you are an event. You, you, you are... Uh, 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 you're like one of these guys. You, you you like you work for Ticketmaster now or something. You know you're you're a promo. Part of you're the pro- problem. I'm part of the problem. You're part uh, of the problem. No, you know uh, <laughs> the um, oh. So anyway, we are putting on this event in Window Rock, and I have turned overnight into concert promoter, which is uh, totally out of, not uh, something that I am uh, all that familiar with. I you know I've I've worked in radio for quite a few years, and I've been involved in uh, you know putting on small events, little concerts here and there. But uh, this is definitely the biggest scale thing that I've ever, uh, you know, been part of putting on. And uh, that is part overwhelming and stressful and awesome all at the same time. And uh, I'm pretty excited about some of the stuff we've got coming up uh, in just a little over a month, Chris, uh, out here in Window Rock, yeah. Arizona. Yeah, so we're in the middle of August, and the event is September 16th. Yeah, so I want to say two things. 
and you know we're going to entice our listeners one there is the actual lineup and we want to be able to tell you who's going to be there but the other thing the other aspect of this is that you need funding for it and so we want to talk a little bit about how if you feel led if you feel called there's a way for you to give and to support to become a a bit of a patron of this event and to help uh you joe in 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 uh your ministry to, to to bring it on but anyway we'll get to that in a second tell us what the event is going to be what if people were to come what should they expect? Okay, so what this is going to be is a celebration of the life and legacy and the music of Rich Mullins. And here in Window Rock, the capital of the Navajo Nation, uh, Rich uh, did a lot of uh, work out here throughout the 90s. He lived here um, just across the border in Say Benito, New Mexico, which is actually where I, I live. Um, and uh, he lived here for about two years, uh, from uh, 95 to 97, was really, really involved heavily in Navajo missions. And, and beyond Navajo missions, but also, uh, uh, you know, in the area, there's there's about uh, 20 different Pueblo tribes, and uh, the, the Hopi and the Zuni are, are nearby. Rich did a lot of work among Native peoples in this region. And so we are really excited to be able to put on this event in the capital of the Navajo Nation, Window Rock, at the Window Rock itself. So, I mean, mm. uh, which is just, if anybody's ever been here or not, if they've Googled it, uh, it's just a beautiful location mm -hmm. and a really important location uh, to the Navajo people. Um, we're going to be holding the concert at the Window Rock, uh, and we've got uh, friends of Rich's, uh, guys that worked with him, uh, you know, professionally, uh, his brother, David Mullins, is going to be joining us. And we've got some people that knew Rich from the area coming out as well, um, you know, who, who uh, uh, knew him during the time he lived here. And they're going to be sharing reflections about, you know, their memories of Rich. Uh, it's going to be a really great time, and we're really looking forward to, to doing this. We've got some great guests coming out. Um, I, sh I will mention, you know, if, if you're following it on the event page, we did have a couple cancellations okay. uh, that – he sadly had to announce over the, the weekend, uh, Jimmy Abeg and Ben Pearson had to cancel uh, due to a scheduling conflict. Uh, I, I spoke with Jimmy about this. They really tried to, to work out something to make this happen, but they just couldn't make it happen. So that was a big bummer. Uh, on the bright side, uh, we were able to announce that Andrew Osenga is going to be joining us. Now, I know that you're familiar with Andrew Osenga's work, Chris. Um, he was a member of the band Cademan's Call. Before that, he was a, uh, like the founding member, lead singer of the Normals. Of the Normals. You know, I <clears throat> I saw the Normals in my city, Peoria, the See You at the Pole, See You at the Flagpole, like concert event. The Normals came and played. They were they were just hitting it big. Because they were from Illinois. They were from Illinois. So they're from the city of Normal, which is about 45 minutes from us. So anyway, yes. Yes, so I've kind of followed Osenga's career. I mean, I, I've just, I've known that he is a prolific musician and a prolific songwriter. Now, you and I, Joe, we're partial. We think that Osenga is one of the greater songwriters of this current generation of anybody, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, um... And uh, totally underrated, uh, sadly, because he, he should be a household name because uh, he's that good. Yeah. And But, you know, that, that just how it kind of goes. Uh, you know, we, we've had this conversation about, you know, people being sort of pigeonholed in the Christian music industry. Mm -hmm. But uh, the guy's 
like you said, a prolific musician, but prolific songwriter and uh, producer as well. And in fact, he this is kind of segues a little bit into what you're going to be yep. talking about, with Andrew Greer, because Andrew Osenga is co-producing that record that Andrew Greer is producing, uh, the tribute album to Rich Mullins coming out right. next year. And so, that, so that's your connection. I mean, so people might be going, why did Joe invite Andrew Osenga? That seems kind of somewhat random, um, but that's the connection. He's, he's going to be pr- helping produce uh, the album, the Rich Mullins tribute album. Absolutely. And, you know, we had the, the, the conversations prior to this, and, uh, you know, even he, he was really excited about the offer and the opportunity to come out here. Um, and so, uh, you know, we talked about it. We'd actually been kind of discussing this for months. But, you know, his sort of last question was, and he's a very gracious guy, was sort of more concerned for me. He goes, man, those guys you've got coming, you know, Eric Houck, Mitch McVicker, David Mullins, you know, even some of the local guys, they, they knew Rich, they worked with him, they, you know, they loved Rich. He's like, I was just a fan, um, you know, a high school fan. And I go, well, you know what, man? I was just a high school fan. You know, Chris, mm-hmm. you, you were a high school fan. We didn't know Rich Mullins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were definitely influenced by Rich Mullins. And I thought it was really cool to have somebody who sort of, and I don't I don't want to give away anything about your interview coming up, but Andrew Greer sort of talks about this in your interview with him, about what about that next generation of musicians that sort of came after Rich mm-hmm. and the impact that he had on those artists. Well, I, I sort of look at Andrew Osenga as being from that sort of class, sort of that mm-hmm. graduating class, mm-hmm. kind of right after Rich Mullins. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the influence is definitely there. Really excited to have him uh, and, uh, you know, joining us for this. So I think it's going to be great. I'll mention, too, it's a couple things that we haven't announced online yet um, that are going to be happening. So this is a, a scoop right here on right. the podcast. Um, one, we uh, have just... Uh, arranged, we're going to have a Navajo choir that's mm-hmm. going to be coming and performing at the event. The Ambassadors Choir uh, from right here in our area is going to be uh, joining us to sing some songs and uh, even doing a couple of Rich's songs. So it's going to be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, other thing, uh, for those who have been following this podcast, our last bonus episode was with Andrew Montanera on the uh, Lassie broadcasting uh, petition for all that footage. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, Lassie broadcasting out in Indiana has like 10 hours of footage of Rich that's almost all unreleased. And uh, Andrew had this petition up. People signed the petition to try to have this footage uh, preserved, digitized, and hopefully released. Um, well, we mentioned on the last episode that the footage has been digitized. Uh, it has not been released uh, as of this podcast. But what I can say is that Lassie is going to allow us to show some of that never-before-seen footage of Rich at our event in Window Rock. Yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. That's a great honor to be able to be able to do that. It is. It's pretty cool. And, and so my understanding is that publicly it'll be the first time that any of this has ever been seen mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, and mm-hmm. so it's it, pretty cool. I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, we are planning to have a video screen there and have some footage of Rich and uh, maybe some more stuff even beyond the Lassie things. Um, and uh, yeah, so 
pretty cool stuff happening out here in Window Rock. Yeah. And uh, it is totally open to the public. This is a free event. We want you to be able to come out uh, and enjoy this. Uh, it's really for the uh, Navajo Nation, for the community here who knew and loved Rich uh, during those years in the late 90s. And, and that's who we're doing it for and where we're doing it. But it's totally open to the public. And I know people are flying out to this show or driving in. Uh, you're, you're coming in for it, Chris. And uh, I am. I will be yeah. there. Well, do, do we want to mention that we plan to record a pre-concert podcast? Do we want to mention that? Absolutely. Um, yes. And that's one of the cool things about this. that I'm, I think one of the things I'm most excited about is that we're going to be doing a live taping of Between the Songs prior to the concert so the concert itself is going to start roughly around 6 30 yeah ish at, at five o'clock we're going to open it up to anybody who wants to come out early uh we are going to uh be interviewing some of the guests that night uh who uh just kind of have a q a with them mm-hmm. and some of the uh, other folks in the area that knew and worked with rich mm-hmm. and so it's going to be kind of a I don't know. It could be a madhouse, but it'll be great. <laughs> well, so so here's what's funny is that we started this podcast and we're like, you know what? Let's just talk about the albums. And now here we're going to have, like, let, let this be a, um, kind of a forewarning all of our listeners. We're going to have just a bunch of bonus episodes for the next couple of months. That's uh, true. It's kind of funny. We have way more bonuses than we are going to have regular episodes. Yeah. But yeah, by the end of it, we're just going to have, you know, 40 bonus episodes and, you know, uh, nine or ten regular episodes, whatever it is. Anyway, what's neat about this is that, yeah, we'll be able to offer a, a live bonus episode in, in the middle of September, uh, maybe towards the end of September by the time we get around to it. But uh, that'll be that'll be this. And then uh, we have a few more b- before the Window Rock event. We have a couple more bonus episodes coming your way. I guess we'll I'll, we'll, we'll let you figure that out when, when they come your way. But... Uh, what did she she coined the phrase we're the raga media we are the raga media and uh yes and um we are we are we have sent our our uh, papers to the government and that's what that's our new tax uh id number from from the raga media corp <laughs> so don't even think about taking it <laughs> yeah 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 don't yeah okay you know you know who you are those people out there that would take the raga media trademark name yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, before we get to sidetracks, here's what I want to say. As Joe said, the Window Rock event is open to the public. Joe is wanting to put on an event that blesses people, that lets people remember Mullins and his music, uh, and to give actually some, some people some, some unique, a unique concert-going experience. It's free, but Joe does need support. He does need help. And so if you feel called, you feel led to, to donate to this event, please go to betweenthesongspodcast.com, go to our website, and then one of the tabs, one of the main tabs is support the Window Rock Tribute Concert. So please click on it. It gives you a, a couple of different ways. You can you can pay online. You could call the ministry. You could send a check in. It, it, it explains it there. Uh, honestly, we are seriously asking. Uh, you know, it, it does cost money to bring Mitch McVicker in and to bring David Mullins in. There's plane tickets. There's fees to uh, Andrew Singa. Uh, you know, everybody costs. And uh, at the moment, Joe is just giving. But if you feel led. Uh, please, please consider going to support Window Rock Tribute Concert on our website. Anything to add there, Joe? 
Uh, just that uh, several people have already donated, and I just want to say thank you for that. I uh, It genuinely helps us to be able to cover some of these costs. Uh, I think most of the costs are, are with travel. Um, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's not cheap to get to Window Rock. Um, you know, we're yeah. a little bit off the beaten path. And so, uh, but I think this is an important thing that we're doing uh, for our community and for those who can come in. I, I know they're going to be blessed uh, by attending. And so uh, if this is just, uh, you know, if this is something that would be on your heart to do, uh, it would sure mean a lot to us and, and it would genuinely uh, be a big help. And all the information, as Chris said, is right on the webpage uh, at Between the Songs uh, podcast.com. Is that it? Yes, Between the Songs podcast.com. <laughs> I almost forgot our website. There you go. That's all right. Yeah, so we would love to see you at the Window Rock event. Come join us. Uh, support support the event if you feel so called. But before we move on to this uh, potential tribute album that's in the works and the, and the book, Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth, I do need to break in and uh, mention our sponsor, St. Rich Beard Oil. Yes, yes. I hopefully you have now been made aware of St. Rich Beard Oil. Yes, Joe, uh, through the Skype line, Joe is showing me that his beard is in fact coming in, and I think he's getting ready to use the beard oil. Now, Matt I'm Walden, excited. you're getting, yeah, you're, I, you know, I've just, honestly, people have given me beard, you know, things before, like, you know, like uh, pomade or, you know, like the kind of the gooey substances, and, and they've given me stuff. I just don't know what to do with it. So, I need the founder of St. Rich Beard Oil, I need Matt Walden to help me to understand how to use this. I'm, I'm hoping he will, I will do a beard oil apprenticeship with him someday uh, and, and so that I can know what I'm supposed to do with it. Um, nonetheless, um, I need to say, this, this week Matt was sending me updates, um, pictures of him making the beard oil in his home. And, he, and you know what he told me? Uh, this, is a, this is an exclusive. What I'm going to tell you right now. He told me he bought two big bottles of patchouli oil, or whatever the patchouli scent is, and one of those bottles spilled all over his car. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, your car is never going to smell normal again. And you know what he said? I'm totally fine with that. He, he was okay with that. Now, person, his, his car has the essence of Rich Mullen. His car smells like Rich Mullen. He just He'll never get away from it. So, yes, it, it is true. I have not smelled the St. Rich Beard Oil yet. <clears throat> um, Matt will eventually uh, send it our way. But, it, it, yeah, he, he attempts, and I, and I, I really, I really want to take it all in. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it coming my way. Uh, but, I, but, yeah, he attempts to get the essence of Rich Mullen. So please, uh, again, go to our, our website uh, and click on the St. Rich Beard Oil tab. By the way, uh, Matt Walden does want us to let you know that he messaged David Mullins himself and asked him, hey man, is this okay that I'm doing this? And since Matt has promised to give any kind of profit to adoreministries.com, and so Dave, David was okay with that, the fact that, that Matt is not making money off of this, but he's giving it to a ministry. So anyway, please, please check out our website, and you can purchase it. It's a real thing, and if anything, for the Rich Mullins fan, I would want to purchase it for the bottle. The bottle has a beautiful, uh, you know, hand-drawn image of Mullins. It's just, it's, it's cool. It's a cool thing. The bottle's awesome, and, and the, the uh, you've you've seen the painting, right? And there's an original painting. I, I hope to get. I'll get that on the website soon. Uh, there's a beautiful icon. It, it, it's done as as like a classic icon, 
of Rich Mullins. Some might find it sacrilegious. I find it beautiful, but... Uh, it's really cool. It's really, really neat. Okay. Joe, do you want me to get into my experience at Escape to the Lake? Yeah, man, you... You made us all jealous last week uh, off on your little adventure, and I'm, I'm just dying to hear about it. So, a couple of weeks ago, or three weeks ago, or a month ago, I got a message from Dave Trout. And Dave Trout is, I don't know what we call him, the president, the head of UTR Media, or what was known as Under the Radar Media. And he messaged me, he said, do you want to come to Escape to the Lake? I know you're a Mullins fan, I mean, he knows that we're doing the podcast. Come to our event. You can hang out with some of the artists. We're having a Rich Mullins tribute concert. Da 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 da. Would you want to come? And so, you know, I figured out with my wife. You know, is this is this even doable with our time? And so, I I, I hightailed it up to Cedar Lake, uh, Indiana. I think it's a town. I think the town itself is called Cedar Lake. But it's 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 uh, this beautiful resort up there. That's a place called Cedar Lake Ministries, and that's where Dave holds the event. Uh, I think this is the second year he's had it there. He's had it at other places before. And, I, uh, Joe, have you been to Escape the Lake before? I can't remember. I have not. Okay. Uh, this is, you know, so, yeah, this is something I've I've been following for quite a few years. I'm a huge UTR fan. Uh, you know, no exaggeration to say that several, about five, six years ago, I probably was this close to just being done with contemporary Christian music mm -hmm. and then discovered under the radar mm -hmm. and uh, it, it sort of redeemed the genre for me mm -hmm. uh, and opened a world of, of new artists to me and uh, just kind of reignited my love for Christian music. And so I, I'm a huge fan. I uh, just personally just love what Dave is doing. Um, and last year I was uh, honored to be, join their critics panel. Uh, which, uh, in fact, if you uh, follow them on Facebook, they just released the uh, their list of best albums and songs of the first half of 2017, and uh, I got to contribute to that. Um, but no, I've never been to Escape to the Lake, just never been able to make it up there mm -hmm, for it, mm -hmm. and uh, so was so totally jealous of you. Yeah, I mean, so, so the weird thing about Escape to the Lake is... If you know some of these indie Christian artists, like you can just kind of hang out with them. It was really weird. <laughs> it was just like the, the access to the artists was really, it was just amazing. I mean, you could just kind of hang out, talk with them, converse with them. Uh, man, I mean, there's a whole slew of people that I got to meet that I was just like, I can't believe. It's, it's not as if, and they, and they know this, These if, if these indie Christian artists are listening, they know they're not the most famous people in the world. But, you know, these some of the people that were there, they have long established careers. They've, they've been around uh, quite a long time. And they've had some names out there, too. I mean, like bigger names. They've, they uh, Jason Gray has done Escape to the Lake. Okay. Um, last year, I think they had Burlap to Cashmere. Maybe that was two years ago. Really? That's awesome. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but... The one thing, whether it's a well-known artist or a, a not-so-well-known artist, uh, they get some great artists in solid, That's great right. singer-songwriters and bands. And uh, it's sort of, if you're into indie Christian music, Escape to the Lake is the place to be. Absolutely. And, okay, so, so let me tell you. I, you know, hurried my way up there. You know, like I, I dropped my kids off at my mother-in-law's. And try to, you know, zoom my way up to uh, Cedar Lake. And <clears throat> I find my way to the 
to the resort, and I'm like, does anybody know where Dave Trout's at? And they they direct me to this kind of this you know conference room, seminar room, and as I as I go into the, I, I had no idea what I was walking into, but there Dave Trout was. I, I had never met Dave before. We just, you know, messaged back and forth. But in the same room, there is Jimmy Abeg just sitting down in the room. And then right next to Jimmy Abeg is Andrew Greer. And now, again, I, I, we've interviewed Jimmy, and I've seen Andrew, uh, because if you... Uh, if you know anything about Andrew Greer, he uh, works for CCM Magazine, the online version, and he does all these like really long interviews with uh, really famous Christian artists. And so I've seen Andrew, and I, I'm familiar with his stuff. Anyway, it was just it was just so crazy. Like there they were. You know, I don't think I've ever asked you prior to this. Had you ever met Jimmy before? You know, I don't think I have. Not okay. not met him. Yeah, I don't think I had. I, it just hadn't happened. Up till recently, I mean, I, I got to spend some time with Jimmy in, in Nashville, but up till then, I, I've met him, but only, you know, like those, you know, real quick handshake, how you doing, Mr. A? Yes, kind of yes. But, well, that, you know, that, yeah. that was pretty much the extent for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, let me say this, like, Jimmy is such a sweet guy, and that's, that's the thing that just everybody kept saying. Uh, you know, everyone knows Jimmy's going blind, and so when I walked into the room and Dave Trout, like, said my name, Jimmy heard Dave say that, and he's like, "Oh, is that Chris Marchand?" I mean, like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe that Jimmy remembered my name. That was just astounding. So he was just really sweet. And so, so what? Here's what happened. Uh, what I had walked into was this panel discussion. It was like it was the quote unquote uh, producers panel session, and so it was all about like advice to up and coming artists how to produce your own album. So it was really neat. Like right from the get go, I get to sit down, and there was like five other artists. And I got to hear, you know, some of their recording advice and just their experience and their their insight into the industry. So that 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 in and of itself was just amazing. I love that. Uh, so my day was a whirlwind. I didn't actually spend the night there, so it was just like this jam packed day. Uh, but from there, uh, I you know I kind of got to sit in on a little sound check with uh, the Rich Mullins tribute concert that was going on that evening. So there was there was a lot of sound check stuff, but then. Andrew Greer, he, he, he was gracious enough. He gave me a half an hour or so of his time. So we jetted out after the, the quick sound check, had our interview. <clears throat> and then I, I, might, I might say what, I, what I'm, what I'm going to say next, maybe is one of the highlights of my life, was after the Rich Mullins Tribute Concert uh, sound check, Jimmy needed to do some more rehearsing. And so they found a place on some porch in front of their, their dormitory, like where everybody was staying. What I know what you're going to tell me right now, and you you Facebook messaged me when this was happening, yeah. and the Facebook message gave me chills. Yeah, it was, just, it was amazing. I, it was Jimmy Abeg, who is one of my heroes, and he's, he's just, his, his music is, is just wonderful, and he's sitting there rehearsing on a porch with Ben Pearson. So if anybody knows who Ben Pearson is, he's the guy that has taken the most iconic Rich Mullins photographs. And he's the guy that was the cinematographer on Mullins' videos. I don't know if he did uh, Brother's Keeper. Did he do Brother's Keeper? I think he might have. I, I don't know. If, you know, that's funny. I, I don't know if Ben was involved in that or not. I know Jimmy was. Jimmy's Jimmy. Jimmy. Maybe it was Jimmy. The Brother's Keeper. But it might have been Jimmy and Ben. It might have been Jimmy. Well, I should have asked him. But but So Ben did the, all the Liturgy Legacy videos. Uh, and Steve, Steve Taylor Steve was the director. And so, if you follow Steve Taylor's films, Ben Pearson is Steve Taylor's cinematographer. They are they are a team. They work together. So, so I'm sitting on this. And Ben um, also worked on the homeless man video. Ah, okay. 
Okay, so so Ben Ben is a guy that's been present for a lot of great things in Rich Mullins' art as well. Um, and so then also um, a band that, that you know and love, uh, the Mosleys, were, were, were part of Jimmy's side band. So they were, they were kind of, they were backing him up. And then the drummer and the singer from the band Four Brothers. So Jimmy had kind of thrown together this makeshift band, and I got to sit in and just watch him rehearse. And um, one of my favorite songs that Jimmy does is called The Dream uh, off of his uh, Secrets album. And it was just, uh, you know, just sitting there like this, the acoustic kind of raw version. It was just beautiful. I just loved it. And it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a narration, really. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a narrative song. He doesn't really sing very much. Anyway, it was just, it's it was powerful. just great. All right, so, you know, but yeah. So Chris got to hang on a porch, listening to Jimmy practice the dream. I'm living the life. Uh, Dude, was, you were, it was you were living the dream. I was living the dream. That that train was coming for me. <laughs> the train was coming for me. For me. Uh, so you know oh, that the, is so inside. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's go listen to the song. Go listen to uh, Jimmy's "The Dream." It's a good song. Uh, okay, so the rest of my time was kind of a whirlwind. It was kind of a lead up to to the concert at the at, at night, and you know I I have said before that I don't really like cover songs. It I I. I like it, when I come to like an artist. I just want their song in my head. I don't need someone to redo it. And so I've, I've kind of, I raise a stink about it. And I actually got to interview Dave Trout uh, um, later on um, in that evening. And he, he brought up to me. He said, "I know you don't like. I know you don't like tribute concerts. And I know you like. You don't like uh, tribute albums and cover songs." He brought up to me. So it was, it was kind of funny to be able to talk and banter back and forth with him about that. Uh, but guess what? The tribute concert it won me over. So the opening song, and I didn't realize it had already been recorded, was yeah, Andy Goulahorn's uh, version of Peace off of Liturgy Legacy. And, it and was, I, get a me- I get a message from uh, Chris, man, Andy Goulahorn just did this amazing v- version of Peace, and I'm just at home shaking my head. Yeah. Going, I, don't oh, listen, I don't listen to cover songs. I just don't care. But he, <laughs> but he won me over. So Goulahorn won me over. And was, we should say that was released on the David Leo Schultz uh, yes. tribute album. It there was the one go. for the soundtrack to Ragamuffin. Yes. So go check out, go check out the soundtrack to Ragamuffin. Which, by the way, <laughs> is a really good album. There's some really good stuff on that record. You know what? I'll just have to go find out, won't I? I don't have it. We'll have so, to do an episode on it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> episode 243 uh, will be on, on that. So anyway, the rest of the night was great. The, the Mosleys played. Uh, Jimmy did his own uh, solo set, his first solo set um, of his own songs in like 20 years, which was it was just a, an honor to be able to be there for that and see that. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. The Mosleys were great. There was this guy. Um, he goes by Son of Laughter. He, he did a great version of The Color Green. It reminded me of like if Nick Drake were to do the color green, like that's what the Son of Laughter's version of the color green was. It was really quite haunting. You know quite what? Haunting. It's interesting that you brought that up because I had a really brief conversation this past Monday with uh, with Jimmy. It was actually when he called to tell me that they were having some, the scheduling problems yeah. for Window Rock. But we talked a little bit about Escape to the Lake, and he told me that was the highlight of the show for him. Son of Laughter's color oh, really? green. Really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It was it, it was it was haunting. He slowed it down a little bit, 
And just the way that he finger-picked it on guitar, hmm, it, it was it was something. I, you know, he's got it on tape. I hear they're going to actually release the video of it on Facebook or somewhere. Oh, boy, it's, it's right around the anniversary of Mullins' death. They're going to release it. So we will be able to listen to the songs and view it. So that's coming. Expect that from Under the Radar. So, anyway... You know, fast forward. You know, long story short, it was it was it actually they won me over. It was a great uh, a tribute uh, to Mullins, and you know I, they played some clips and uh, Andrew Greer led us in some worship of you know Mullins' worship songs at the, at the end, and it was just it was beautiful. It really was. Uh, Jill Phillips was there singing with Andy Gullihorn. It was great. Um, now here's what I want to say. I w- <laughs> I want to talk about Andrew Greer's book. So we're going to talk about that. But I do have to say something really quickly. This is important, what I'm going to say. So it's really late at night. I've, I've done an interview with the Mosleys, which you can expect on Post Consumer Reports at some time. All and of a sudden... By the way, let me just say... Interject, uh, yes. The, the Mosleys. Yeah. Um, they have a record that just recently came out that actually Jimmy played on their album. That's right. Um, there you go. And I think I think Phil Madeira's on that record too. I think Phil produced it and played, and then Jimmy also played. And it is a phenomenal album, and it's called Ordinary Time. Yeah. And uh, just go give that record a listen. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I, I included it on my list of the best of UTR's best of 2017 so far, and uh, I also picked one of the songs from that record called Settle. That is just a, a beautiful, beautiful song. Uh, yeah. I just want to give them a, a cheap plug right now. If anybody's listening, we should put a link on the website. Check out the Mosley's new album. It is well worth your time. There you go. And look for my own interview on Post Consumer Reports. Uh, I got to hang out with them, which is really cool. So I, I got done interviewing them. And so Rachel Mosley was hanging around. And all of a sudden, Dave Trout was there. And then in walks Nick Flora. Now, Nick Flora, do you know, are you familiar with Nick Flora? I sure am, yeah. You know, he's a, he's a sarcastic, you know, witty guy. He likes to have fun. And so, I, I, you know, I, I just kind of introduced myself to him. Um, and we're just all kind of hanging around. And somebody brings up Carmen. Somebody brings <laughs> up Carmen. And yeah. so... Now you're skipping ahead to season two. Yeah, we had season two of Between the Songs. So... It's getting so late. It's like almost 1 o'clock. I'm like, I need to get home. It's going to be like 2.30 in the morning. But here we are for like the next half an hour. We're like watching Carmen's new uh, President Trump Blues video. We're like reading through all the comments on Carmen's page. You know, like people saying, Carmen, you are anointed of God. And da, da, da. And, and so we were, <laughs> Nick Flora was like freaking out. He was like, I can't believe this. You know, like <laughs> he was just... He was irate at Carmen. It was, it was just hilarious. So I couldn't leave because I was just enjoying watching everyone like gawk at Carmen's like piece of work. You know, his two hundred thousand, uh, you know, GoFundMe how project. He, how much does he have raised for that? So I far? have not checked it in a couple of weeks. My guess it is over, it was over a hundred grand, right? Yeah, it was over. Yeah, he's he is he has found he has funded over a hundred grand for sure. Well, anyway, whatever. So <laughs> I eventually did Carmen. make my way home. So he's Carmen, he's Carmen he man. and he's he is now a personal, uh, a certified personal trainer, life coach, not personal trainer, but life coach. Anyway, okay, let's talk about the book. You want to talk about the that's book? A, that's that's a whole another bonus episode right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I knew about this book that that Andrew Greer was working on, but you know, I you know we we, we don't know what it looks like, so we didn't know what was in it. 
And so it was just really great to be able to sit down with him and be able to ask him, kind of like, give, give me kind of the, the scoop on what's in this book. And, and, and through it, jo Joe, were you able to get a copy of the book? yourself? I was, yeah, yeah, a digital copy. Yeah, I have a digital copy, and looking through it, it's just, it's it's a really, it's a beautiful book. Um, the way that I would describe it is a series of reflections, and they, he, he organizes it around different themes, but he interviewed so many different people. It's it's quite, quite, a, quite a lovely tribute, really it is. And I'll say this about it, looking through it, um, you and I had some reservations on this book because we've been hearing things yeah. uh, about it. And, uh, you know, and you sort of brought this up in the interview, so I won't delve into that. But there were kind of rumors about this book that we had some concerns. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that the concerns that I had, were f they're still sort of present in the book. Uh, but overall, I would say that 99% of this book is really nice, mm -hmm. and uh, they did a beautiful job. The layout is nice. Um, even just, uh, you know, I mean, the people they talked to were great. Mm -hmm. the, some of the reflections. I, I haven't read the whole thing yet. I haven't either. But... You know, I would say for me the highlights are uh, Dave McCracken's reflection and uh, Mark Mark Lowry's reflection. You get to hear his uh you know, cruise. his his uh, cruise, Rich Mullins uh, on a cruise, getting stuck on an island and renting scooters. You get to hear his uh, his story, which is great. It was it was really great. The other thing about this book, and I'll say this, is that you know we've all sort of seen those iconic photographs of mm -hmm. Rich Mullins a mm -hmm. million times. Um, I don't. In this book, there are a lot of pictures. I've only ever seen one or two of them before. Yeah. It was mostly photographs that I have never seen, including yeah. uh, one really nice photo of Rich out here on the Navajo Reservation mm. about a week before he died. Mm. Oh, really, yeah. really cool photograph. And there are, I, don't, I mean, I haven't, I haven't not taken a close enough look at these yet, but there are scans of, of, a, of journal entries and notes that he took. Have you seen those? Yeah, and, and, and lyrics to songs, too. And there's handwritten, handwritten lyrics to songs. So... Not only are there new reflections and new stories that we've never heard, but there's like some artifacts that really that Greer and you know his editors or whoever they really help pull it all together. Randy Cox is part of it, so yeah, and you can you can tell they put a, a lot of heart and soul into the finished product. It, it really came out nice. Yeah. So here's what we want to say. We're gonna jump right into Andrew's interview. And, you know, you know, half an hour intro. That's all right. That's that's short for us. A half an hour intro. Uh, we're going to get into Andrew's interview, my interview with Andrew, uh, but but Joe and I have a couple of more reflections after the interview, so if you, if you want to stick around, you can listen to another 10 minutes of us uh, you know, going back and forth about the book itself. But here's what I want to say. You can pre-order uh, the book, and if you go to windsofheavenstuffofearth.com, you can pre-order it. It does come out, what is it, like September 5th, that's when it comes out. But if you pre-order it, you actually get to listen uh, to watch a 50-minute interview that Andrew did with David Mullins. So there's there's some exclusives if you if you pre-order the book. So go check that out. So you want to... Let's get to the interview. Let's make this our shortest episode ever. Uh, <laughs> I got a I got a message from uh, Dave Trout. Uh, he he was uh, listening to our last episode. He goes, "Hey, I'm listening to the podcast. I'm two thirds the way through. I'm like, man, you you really made it that far." Yes. So, hey, hey, everyone that's listening, we know that our podcast, our last episode, was almost three hours long. We're, we are aware. We're, we're, we know what we're doing. 
right? We own it. We, we own it. Okay. So here now, uh, please check out windsofheavenstuffofearth.com to uh, look at and maybe pre-order Andrew Greer's new book on Rich Mullins. And uh, let's go to that interview now. I'm going out to this Window Rock event. Are you familiar with what's going on out there at all? Um, I'm not totally familiar with all the details of it, but heard yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dave Mullins is going to be out there. And one of the questions I want to ask him, because I know he's a sweet guy, he's a nice mm-hmm. guy, is, yep. hey, man, are, are you okay still talking about your brother? Like, yeah. are you kind of done? Are you, you just wish you could move on, you know? Yeah. I think it's probably different for a guy like you, because you're like... Like, how old are you, by the way? Yeah, I'm 34. 34, so I'm 35. You know, we're that generation that we kind of grew up on Mullins. Would you say you grew up on Mullins? Yeah, I would say definitely, because, you know, when we were around, what, 10, 11 is when Liturgy Legacy rang with band, which that is the time that I began to really consume music, you know, for myself, like choose my own music and uh, begin to actually purchase my own music. So exactly. that's really when I started sink my teeth into it. And I had lots of different tastes. I loved pop music. I loved Motown. I loved black gospel. And, um, my mother had bought a copy of the liturgy legacy ragamuffin okay. band because she loved the song. Hold me Jesus. Okay. Who knows where she didn't listen to Christian radio or anything like that. So Ooh. she must've just heard it through something or maybe while flipping the stations. And, uh, I remember of course she said it was interesting. She gave me the CD cause she said, I bought this for Holy Jesus, but I don't really necessarily, I'm not drawn to the record. So she, yeah, yeah, she wasn't that interested by the record. It's like the radio single, you know, it's like the kind of, yeah. And out. she loves tender songwriting mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily a lot of production. She's also a classical organist. Mm. So she loves some of the epicness of it, but mm-hmm. she just, anyway, for whatever reason, it didn't totally compel her and she thought I might love it. Well, I've always loved the sounds of Americana and folk and uh, so there, of course, were other songs on it, The Color Green Here in America, et cetera, that, mm-hmm. that made an impact on me. Though I wouldn't say I became a huge rich aficionado at that point in time because his next record was Brother's Keeper, which was harder to sink your teeth into on the same level. Very Americana, but yes. not as tight. Uh, less produced <laughs> and, well, not as produced as tightly, correct. The yeah. songs also, I think, were not quite... Maybe it was the production, actually, but I don't know. Reed Arvin, Rich's original producer, who produced every record up through Liturgy Legacy, was only, uh, not only, but he was not, it was Rich and the Ragmuffins that produced Brothers mm-hmm. Keeper. Mm-hmm. Reed Arvin became executive producer just to make sure that ship sailed, you know. <laughs> and really, I think what I've heard Mike Blanton, who was manager at that time and over Reunion, and who really helped bring Rich up into you know, the spotlight, I guess you could say. And then, of course, Don Donahue, who was his A&R and really his kind of chief pal from an industry standpoint, at that time said, what happened is Brothers Keeper lost the rudder. Reed was a rudder. Yeah. Reed was a commercial rudder. And getting to know Reed now, uh, and Reed and I and Andrew Peterson and Jason Gray and Andrew Osenga are working on a potential uh, Rich Mullins uh, tribute's a terrible word to say, you know, but a project to bring his songs into a new generation. And I asked Reed kind of, I think, boldly because what idiot would ask Reed Arvin, who was a producer of these really, you know, benchmark records, not just for Rich, but in Christian music, especially in singer-songwriter Christian music, would ask him if he would produce, you know, help co-produce this record. So you asked Reed to help co-produce it? I did, and he is. <laughs> 
See, that sounds bold. Because from what I I, 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 I interviewed him for the liturgy. I, yeah. At the 20th anniversary, I reached out to him. Okay. I interviewed him. It got published at Very articulate. Yes. Oh, great. It was, on, it was on their website. It wasn't published in the well, physical, but it was on their website. That's it, yeah. And I said, do you play music anymore? He's like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> like, like yeah. it, I was kind of like, yes. what? You, like, I, I'm, you know, it's hard to tell when you listen to those records. Like, mm-hmm. well, who's playing what? But I know he's playing so many of those well, keys. Well, he's a keys player, right. And right? he started, you know, he and Rich, do you know how he and Rich got together? Did Amy he tell Grant you about or, It was yeah, Amy. Yeah, yeah, Reed yeah. was literally on the road during Amy's kind of yeah. first heyday, uh, playing these arena gigs with keys. And Mike Blanton, who was Amy's manager and Rich's manager at Reunion Records, just paired, that. just said, I think you guys, I think he saw in Rich this kind of wild and free artist knew that reed had some of the technical ability Mm -hmm. as well as the love for artistic things product Mm -hmm. and sure enough it apparently according to reed it really did just sink in though it was very difficult he said i never produced a record he was learning to make records as rich was learning to make records he probably talked about that well and so we're hoping to interview him for like more of a recorded one Mm -hmm. uh because we want to go through every one of the albums we want to hear what he has to say i think he'd love to yeah he he said he would i just have to get back with him but he's just like do you really want to interview me about those first two albums like (laughs) yeah you know reed i can't speak for him you'll have to speak to him but i think the industry thing he just as it evolved he evolved out of it i don't know that that was any cynicism or hard feelings but I feel really honored. This project still has to come to light, so there's always the chance it doesn't. You're welcome to talk about it um, because it should be, you know, uh, out in spring or early summer next year. So it's not that far away. And uh, but what what we decided to do was how could we actually do a record that wasn't just a tribute? Those have been done, kind of like the book that I wrote. Uh, it was. The question was, does it need to be written? Question of the record, does it need to be recorded? It's a good question. Um, yeah. The tributes have been done, right? So right, I would say yeah. the same thing for the record, that this can you know, piggyback or actually set us in motion into the book, since that's more concrete at this point in time. Um, Worthy Publishing, which is a larger publishing house in Nashville that's had a lot of success recently, came to me. I was in the process of writing another book for them. And someone brought them the idea of the Rich Mullins book. They had some new lyrics of Richard, of, well, he is Richard, but I don't know. I've never called him Richard in my life until just mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But uh, had some new, you know, Wayne is actually what his family called mm-hmm. him, Richard Wayne Mullins. But uh, they, he had some newer lyrics of Rich's that he wondered if there was a platform for that. And around the 20th anniversary, so last November, which is a quick time frame, November 2016, Worthy came to me and said, could we put this as a priority and would you be willing to do it? Now, you know, I have some background in journalism. I have some background in in conversations, hosting those, interviewing people. And they knew I'd done a lot of that for some publications like Christiana Today, CCM Magazine, of course, which deals specifically with gospel music artists and who have always had covered Rich's career very well um, in the 10, 15 years that he was producing records. So they said, would you be willing to write this? I said, why do we need to write it? I, I'm not sure what we're writing. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we're not sure either. Let's talk about that. Might I ask, is, yeah. this, is this Randy? Randy Cox. Randy Have Cox. you talked to Randy? I've not talked with him. I just heard, he was he the catalyst behind the book? And mm-hmm. the, yeah. yeah, he was the first voice with Worthy to really say, because of course he was one of the early publishers of Rich's song. He really... Helped develop it as he was a part of Meadow Green uh, oh, okay. Publishing. Yeah. As a part of that era, he really, alongside Reunion and Mike Blanton, helped 
he probably I, I can't remember all the history, but Randy and Mike, et cetera, really helped usher Rich's songs into Amy's world, which then ushered Rich into this development deal with mm-hmm. Reunion and then, you know, kind of set the wheels mm-hmm. in motion. So Randy was an early part of that for sure from a song perspective. And he still is a song guy. That's what he does mm. in Nashville. So um, a peer of Rich's really, you know, they're probably the same age. Um, Randy brought that idea to Worthy. Worthy came to me. And so that's how it happened. Um, and so you'll see Randy's name, of course, on the products, too. Yeah. Um, he really was no, was the it, genesis. Was it going to be a book and an album? There's been so many evolutions yeah. of this, you know. Yeah. And, of course, Jimmy Abeg has his wonderful products that he's in the middle of working on. Yeah. And that in 2018, I think you'll see those come to light that are more niche for sure, okay. uh, really for the rich diehards. Yeah. We were working working with a mainstream publisher, essentially. Right, right. It's like, okay, we can't just be um, narrow in our focus. We really need to let it blossom. I think the record that Reed and AP and Andrew and Jason and I are working on is really the partner to this okay, book. Okay, so if you can, tell mm-hmm. me about that record. First, I'm curious about that, because okay. I definitely have questions about the book, Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I know more about what's in the book, a little bit more, right? Because yeah, sure. I've read the website, but mm-hmm. what's this record you're talking about? So, yeah. kind of telling it here first. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I... Th- I have been involved in conversations with Dave Trout of UTR Media. Uh, Dave originally as part of one of his Kickstarter campaigns with his UTR listening audience, uh, had a stretch goal that would produce a Rich Mullins, pretty much acoustic EP kind of record. And they didn't quite make it at the time, right? Right. right. But Dave still had some... They did stretch their goal and okay. overextended what he wanted yeah, yeah. originally, and so he had that earmarked, set aside for this Rich thing. Yeah. And then he started talking to me, knowing I was doing the book, and could that correspond? He would talk to Andrew Osanga some and Andrew Peterson naturally, Andrew Peterson, I think, really had he and Dave in their conversations had just said, "What could this be? Not just what can it be, yeah. but really, what could it be?" That conversation is what has continued to evolve. I don't know if everyone was really totally. I don't know if even AP was like. I think everyone had reservations because, kind of like my reservations about the book, what hasn't already been done, and why do we need to do it again? Reed's reservation about the record, you know, is like, he said this to me, which I thought was pretty monumental he said my last production credit with rich and his music was liturgy legacy ragmuffin band i have to think really hard Mm -hmm. about whether i want to have another imprint Mm -hmm. on that music Mm -hmm. and legacy you know this would be the next thing which Mm -hmm. is enormous from a historical and like musical Mm -hmm. standpoint so to have read a part of that i'm I'm really so the way this has kind of congealed it's it has been that. It's been a natural adding of ingredients and conversations. And then Andrew Sang and I were going to co-produce it. And we were taking it to labels, and labels were interested in town because mm-hmm. we really wanted it to extend to this generation of artists to, to say, hey, gospel music has been influenced because of Rich's songs, his life, his legacy, the way he conducted his life, how that poured into his lyrics, the production elements of it. All that has really been an inspiration for when you look at people like Andrew Peterson and Sarah Groves and Jason Gray and Sarah Hart and, you know, like you see all these people who really were personally influenced by his music. Mm -hmm. Well, those are the people we want to. The Tribute Records had Amy Grant on it, had Michael W. Smith, had Ashley Cleveland, had Jimmy Abeg, all those really wonderful key players during Rich's career. But what about the artists that came, whose careers came after he died? 
And so really, you're talking about a direct influence just through what Mm -hmm. we consumed and observed Mm -hmm. and not through living life alongside him. It's Mm -hmm. different, you know. Mm -hmm. And could these songs then, songs like If I Stand and, uh, you know, and, and Hold Me Jesus and even things like maybe a touch of Step by Step or Awesome God, could they live in a new generation because they really were forerunners unknowingly of modern worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've, they have made their way out. Mm-hmm. I heard a really interesting conversation with Rich that he was doing with Rick Tarrant of 20, the countdown magazine. Okay. Do you remember yep. that? Sure. I, maybe I've heard it at some point, probably. Yeah. And they did a really wonderful special where after he died, collected yep. all those conversations yeah. they did with him. And they asked about awesome God. And they were saying like, I think that's a song that's going to be like my kids and their kids. And Rich said, Oh, it has a shelf life of 15 to 20 years. Yeah. It's fairly correct. Yeah. Except that things come back. Things, you know, anything that's been in the hymnody of the church, which some of his songs have become, have an opportunity to live on because they're already living. Well, you know, I'm a worship leader at my church. I'm the music pastor. And I really like Rich Mullins. And so it's up to me if I'm going to sing it on a Sunday morning. And so every now and then, yeah, I'll do step by step, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes by step. I just did, uh, we, we follow a lectionary, and so um, I just did Jacob and Two Women. Oh, yeah. And because it came up in that passage from Genesis. Yeah. And so this is the first time I ever did that. Yeah. But, uh, well, Rich painted so many <clears throat> pictures. And exactly. As I learned through really delving to his life for the book, you know, really loved scripture, though he was a, mm-hmm. a torn man, you know, his humanity. He had this real kind of almost conservatism, it seemed like, with Scripture, yet it didn't lead him to a conservative lifestyle. I think that's interesting um, because so much we've paired um, an honor of Scripture and corporate fellowship with some kind of conservative way of life, and I'm not really sure that's Christ-like. So, um, of course, that depends how you define conservative. And that, that's semantics, but <laughs> anyway. And we're talking about more than politics, of course, and I think that was a beauty of Rich, too. went way beyond politics. So to the record conversation. Is this, are you saying that the, the Under the Radar tribute record is what you're working on? It will be a part of that. So UTR is a part of Because I know they're going to launch a podcast about it. And that is a part of the making of this record. Okay. So, yes, yeah, so it's not, it has grown beyond just explicitly being a UTR record. Oh, and, oh okay. But so UTR is part of co-sponsor it. Co-sponsor or something like that. Yeah, you know, UTR is essentially one of the imprints, the labels of it. So it's gotten, and Dave is still a big part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's gotten bigger than Dave's original intent. Yeah, which is we, cool, and we which asked is cool. Dave, could we go with that? You yeah. know, instead of do something different and you do that, could we meld these things together? I think you'll see some UTR. Yeah. Artists make appearances on there that maybe wouldn't have if it didn't have UTRs oh, right. on it, which go. I think is there brilliant. You go. There you go. Yeah. But most of the artists you're talking about anyway, you're if you think about even the ones involved, me, Andrew Sang, and Jason Gray, Andrew Peterson, UTR yeah. artists. They, so yeah. now, it naturally felt that way. There you go. I mean, so, but maybe Ellie Holcomb, oh, maybe yeah. uh, you know Sarah Gross for sure. Okay. Maybe yeah. a Jill and Andy. You know, like. There are people that you can imagine start naming who we I'm sure probably want to be a part of it. Still in the in the works. All probably, those in the works. Right? We haven't actually officially <laughs> asked anybody. Okay. What we know is the five of us yeah. with Dave uh, being a part of that. What I'm a little curious of, mm-hmm. and we'll get to the book, mm-hmm. is do you have any other ideas? You're like, well, here's here's what here's what I would do if I did a Rich Mullins, you know, for a record. Yeah, like, did you have you have you talked about any of the direction it might take? Mm-hmm. We definitely want to stay true to what Reed felt rich where he was going with his musicianship. I think he and Reed, if I'm correct, uh, he and Reed had some conversations right before he died because I think Rich was wanting to pull Reed back into the fold Hmm. of production because he knew he needed that rudder. (laughs) And so he was was looking... 
Yeah, he was. He knew he needed that rudder, and he was looking to bring that back in. But he definitely wanted to keep it more definitively Americana folk. He didn't want CCM to take over his records, mm-hmm. and so Reed really wanted us to keep that in mind and to honor that. That is probably one of the ways Reed would want to be involved. Mm-hmm. Is that we would actually it would be a continuation. Well, I think that's very natural an Americana folk thing for yeah. us. But it's good to keep in mind because yeah, yeah, yeah. we will have some commercial things in mind, too. That's part of Jason Gray's involvement. Okay. He's the most commercial ear out of all of us while Let's still see. being rootsy. Okay. So, yeah, it'll have this. It'll have a rootsy feel, but it's also not going to be just stripped down. We're going to allow production to have a hand. Yeah. Because those were Rich's records. Rich's records were not stripped down. Yeah. No, they weren't. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Do you hear all that? You know, the Irish, you know, junk and... Yeah. Everything in there was, and the strings, it was still using the Nashville string machine and stuff just like every other record was in town from country to Christian music during mm-hmm. the time. So production was an element of what we love about Rich, whether we want to admit that or oh, not. Oh, I think it's you great. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I love the biggest produced stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the 80s produced stuff. But. <laughs> I think you might see, you know, with our conversation about Beth Lutz and stuff, I think you might see a couple demos uh, pop in too. As you, your version of some as a, of the demos? As a part of production. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you, have, you have a look on your face. Like we'll you, just see. <laughs> you're, you're hiding a secret. We'll just see what it is, but <clears throat> I think you'll hear some rich on it. Oh, I see. Some rich firsthand. I see. Okay. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I think I'm I not sure I know much more than that. I think I know what that means. Or we, I, I will just imagine until it actually happens, right? Yeah, we'll it's do all, this again. You, are, you, you told me earlier, I wanna, I'm a doer, I'm a maker, so, mm-hmm. make, so I, I leave it, I put it in your life. Yeah, yeah, you know? but we like to complete. Yeah, the, this will, I put this on tape, this will be completed. <laughs> I don't know when or what, but uh, we hope a documentary to go along with it, too. Interesting. Yeah. So that might kind of start along with Andrew Peterson's event at the Ryman that we're all yeah. part of, and we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Well, yeah. yeah. It sound, and it sounds like you brought Reed Arvin out of semi-retirement, which is, that's a big deal to me. It's like, what? Well, don't tell that. I don't want to scare him off yet. Okay, okay. Uh, never mind. You can tell your audience that. Don't tell Reed. I'll just say... I'm letting Reed just pretend he's playing right now. He's just having fun. He's just know? having fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the book is interesting, too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a biography. It's not an academic text. It's, mm-hmm. it's To me, it seems like a bunch of reflections. Mm-hmm. Is there right. anything else? Uh, what, what do you want to say about it? Well, it's called Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth, which we just couldn't get past that title. We had titles that were, of course, not any of his song or album titles, and we just thought, oh my gosh, you know, when you think about Rich and these writings. So the, te- the subtitle, as it often does, explains the book, and it's how you've explained it well. Spiritual Conversations Inspired by the Life and Lyrics of Rich Mullins. Now, Rich is all over this book. He's on the cover of the book. You know, photos of him with some of the contributors in the book. But they are short snippets. So the book is a pretty extensive book, three sections, uh, you know, 50 or so chapters because they're bite-sized chapters. You could literally pick up and read something like a devotional reading, but they're not devotionals. You could pick it up and read it kind of like an... um, you know, a 1,200-word something, yeah. read it, put it down, come back to it two weeks later, and you could still pick up in the yeah. next chapter. They're kind of these little bites and nuggets of what Rich was leaving us and we want to continue. I did that with about a dozen or so more contributors as well who contributed their own words mm-hmm. as some of those chapters. People like Carolyn Ahrens, who was so associated with him back mm-hmm. in the day, and Ashley Cleveland. But then uh, artists who are more in the spotlight today, uh, people like Brandon Heath, Andrew Peterson, Jason Gray, of course, Sarah Gross, Jars of Clay. He's kind of bridging that gap. Oh, Jars of Clay's in there? Mm-hmm. The whole yeah, band or like yeah. Dan Hausstein? Well, Dan Hausstein was the main voice of that. Okay, okay. Um, But they each had something to say. And 
Um, I'm trying to think who else. It was a really wide roster. But then some people really David associated. Leo Schultz. David Leo Schultz. Ashley Cleveland. Ashley Cleveland. Andrew Peterson. Uh-huh, a- yep. Did you say Amy Grant? Yeah. Amy Grant uh, <laughs> wrote the foreword. Yeah. Okay. okay. Which, uh, which was a main contribution, of Are you course. kind of like an editor of it? Or did you? Or is there another editor? No, I had editors. Okay. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, editors, <laughs> but, yeah. you, but did you write one, one chapter of your own or something? No, I wrote probably 30 of them. <laughs> did you really? I mean, it's yeah. my authorship. Right. Okay. It's okay. then, But there's some strong editing on the front end of me collecting like I, I had conversations. That's why it's called spiritual conversations. Okay. Their okay. chapters were born from conversations we had together. I see. Those were then transcribed, mm. and I would usually compile that into a chapter. Okay. Uh, it doesn't look like Q and A; just as their voice because it is their you. voice. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was inspiring it by saying, I, I was really digging into their rich, you know, readiness. Um, a couple of them are really astute writers and really wanted just some prompts and then wrote something. And, of course, that was more than allowed. Um, but, you know, like the Andrew Peterson one in there, who would be one of the main contributors in, in our day and time as far as carrying Rich's legacy. Yeah. His is in the, in the shape of a Q&A. So we did a Q, um, okay. so it's a conversation. And okay. you see my question, you see his answer. So yeah. you see how that conversation goes. Uh, there were three of those that kind of... Uh, bookmarked the three sections. Andrew Peterson, Shane Claiborne, who's a major theologian in a simple way in Pennsylvania. I worked with Mother Teresa a lot. Yeah. And then a couple of the execs, uh, Don Donahue and Mike Blanton, who, of course, were, I want a little industry angle, a little history, you know. Yeah. So they do a Q&A, too. You, it, it isn't just like, hey, you, write a chapter. You write, you've done, you've kind of pieced the Oh, my gosh, together. this was, yeah, I yeah. mean, we call everything we complete a labor of love, right? But yeah. this was a labor of work. I mean, it... Uh, I loved it the whole time. I love the end product. I think we got somewhere that's really cohesive. It has a lot of elements, but yet it reads like a book. Uh, that's what took the work because there's a lot of components coming in, some different voices coming in yeah. and uh, filtering all that. So I think the rich aficionado will really, really uh, dive into it because there's also people like David Mullins, David yeah. McCracken, et cetera, uh, who are really specific to the rich legacy. Uh, but then I think people who are coming in on the surface, maybe Amy's forward, maybe Andrew Peterson fans who yeah. actually know that Andrew's a big Rich fan yeah. but don't know a lot about Rich or whatever. You know, people who respect the work of Jimmy Abag and so they're picking yeah. it up. So Jimmy contributed too, which, you know, tender, loving Jimmy <laughs> doing his own projects and yet contributed to ours. So, yeah, I think I think it's a really comprehensive conversational work being something that you you can enjoy to read there there are spiritual insights we sectioned it into three sections that i believed rich's conversations in his lifetime that he was inspiring the conversations i believe that he was perpetuating first one uh is chapter or the section is called love alone subtitle the gospel of belonging and i think before inclusivity was ever even a thing, rich was inclusive. And I mean that in a much broader term than political terms um, or any one group or segment of society. I think rich really did want to know what it meant to love people. I don't think he didn't struggle with that. I think he wanted to know. Then the second one is called, um, well, I've forgotten, but uh, it, the idea is relationship versus religion. Okay. And um, so the idea is that, he, that rich really was seeking people before some kind of organized religion, that his religion must be informed by his relationships with people because that's, I believe, where the Spirit mm-hmm. and Jesus is coexisting with us. And I 
believe that's what Rich was saying, and I very much agree with him. So I was able to write from an authentic place. Then the last section is called Troubadour, and it's um, called The Road Home or something like that. Now I'm forgetting. But the idea is, in some ways, Rich was obsessed with eternity, mm-hmm. obsessed with what the next life looks like or how this life extends into the next. Some people, a lot of people very close to him, would even say they were not that they were deeply impacted by his untimely death. They were not surprised that perhaps his kind of fiery way of life and obsession about the eternal couldn't help but be remedied by home sooner than later. You know, mm-hmm. like, who knows? Yeah, you right, know, I mean, right. he could have just worn a seatbelt and that would have, he'd still be here probably. Yeah, he so there's also that, you know. Yeah. So it's the humanity mingling mm-hmm. with the eternal at all times, you know, and I think that's what Rich provoked us to do. We want to continue to provoke people to do that. I hope this book continues to provoke people to do that. Yeah. Is are there any uh, I I've heard a rumor that there's some of some lyrics that were not previously mm-hmm. published that are put into That's the book. True. Is that true? There's four lyrics okay. that Rich began um, and were was throughout the process. They were f- completed after he died. What does uh, that by mean? Phil Nash and Lowell Alexander, um, huh. who are two so- main songwriters in Nashville who knew Rich, and one was on a songwriting deal Were they completed Rich. years ago? Or they completed no, they were completed, well... Or like recently, recently? More recently is when they've been made known, but I think it was a while back when there was kind of this idea to maybe put some new Rich songs out there. Okay. And so they needed to finesse some things, complete some things from, the, from Rich's original demos. Were the lyrics... From something way earlier? Are these yes, early, these early are, songs? These are older demos, yeah. Oh, interesting. And there's some, I don't want to say controversy around them. There's some criticism around them. Can you speak and I, to that? Yeah, and I think that's okay because I think that gives the conversation. <laughs> I felt okay including four of them in the book because they helped section the book. Okay. And honestly, I think the lyrics feel true to Rich. I say this knowing that this may not come across exactly right or it may someone may question my allegiance to Rich it's not true I think he was a phenomenal songwriter and artist all that but anyone who worked with Rich and I know this from all these conversations willingly said come on every song wasn't great Sure. Even on the records. There's some that we kind of rack our brains about, like, what was that on there for, you know? And there's this greatness. And I think Liturgy Legacy actually caught a more comprehensive, great rich. And I think that's why we're all drawn to that record. So these lyrics, I think, I definitely hear Rich in them, of course. And Rich is on the demos singing them, you know. But some of the tweaks maybe that the co-writers made, the demos of them that were then perpetuated to to see if there was Mm -hmm. life in them were made a little bit like mid-90s CCM demos. And so I think that's where some of some of people's first point of entry with these is those demos. And the demos don't reflect that more Americana, raw, rich that mm-hmm. we're really wanting to hear, mm-hmm. whether rich was that or not. Mm-hmm. That's what we want to hear. So I think there's something kind of charming about that, that it's not exactly right. And... I also think it kind of is rich. Rich would really pander to commercialism sometime. We have to admit to it. Actually, that's a good, that's an interesting question. 
I could have a whole podcast on that question. Sure. But, but, not, but you can't, we can't go into that right now. That's but a, you can ask. But that's a really good question. You know, uh, sometimes he wanted to create the good Christian song that would fit on, maybe, I don't, if not on radio, at least it would be well, like a good... come on, he had some of it naturally in him. He wrote him, several yeah. Amy's biggest hits, yeah. and that was when Amy was still solidly in the Christian market. <clears throat> yeah. She was the poster child, yeah. and he wrote those hits. That'd be like writing a hit... You know, for Mercy Me today, or Casting Crowns, I mean, God forbid, you know, or whatever, Natalie Grant. So it's like, well, there's some permission for that, you know? Why can't he be that songwriter and also be Rich Mullins, the artist? I actually have way more appreciation for someone who is willing to be a part of a lot of conversations. I've never been one to feel very exclusive, like, this is my thing, and this is the only place it goes, and I will protect it at all costs. Well, Art, that's getting into art for art's sake, and that is a self, that is an exercise in self-pleasuring. And I do not think that's communal. And I think Rich was communal. His whole life showed it. He yeah, lived sure. in people's attics. He gave his home to a lady who still lives in it in Nashville, the only home he ever bought. Yeah. He lived, you know, on the reservations. I mean, come on. I think he was really interested in people from different walks of life and probably fascinated by people who were a lot more successful commercially than he was. Yeah, even though... It, it, to me, it's always the push-pull. I love it here, but i got to get out of here. So he moved to Wichita, right? So he couldn't take it Yes, anymore. and he specifically, Mike Blanton told me at Reunion, said that they wanted to make him kind of this Phil Collins in the CCM world. They wanted to have the trajectory Amy had because they worked it for Amy and they worked it for Michael, and it was working. And yeah. at that time, even on Reunion, was Kathy Tricoli, and Kathy Tricoli was making sure. huge strides in mainstream music. Sure. So they really saw this, mm. like their camp was really making it work. And Rich had the possibility, and Rich explicitly said no. So there is that. Yeah. Rich yeah. said no to that. Yeah. But he said yes to this, and he said yeah. no to this, and he said yeah. yes to this. And that's where I told you this earlier, where Amy Grant and Ashley Cleveland gave me the best advice about Rich when I was starting the book writing process. Because I felt the weight of it. I felt the weight of all the different voices who've weighed into his life and legacy, knowing that some of those voices would not be heard explicitly in this book. I felt the weight of that, the burden of that, some of the sadness of that. But I also knew that that's what you do when you steward something, is you do it to the best of your ability. So Amy and Ashley both said at different times, not at the same conversation, which I... And I greatly admire and respect both of them not because of their artist careers or anything but because the words that come out of their mouth seem to always be genuine thought out and authentic and and intelligent I'm, what, and so what was the advice? Yeah. the advice yeah. was Andrew as you go through this process a lot of people will tell you they knew Rich best or they were Rich's best friend or etc cetera, etc cetera. Hmm. they said the fact is none of us knew Rich but we were all deeply impacted Right. By Rich. Right. So in that way, we did know him. But no one had the corner on Rich. Mm-hmm. No one has. They have pieces of him, maybe, but this mosaic that is Rich, you really have to just be willing to kind of open yourself up to, and you'll find it in a lot of different places. And some of it will even seem to contradict one another. This Rich seems to contradict this one. It sounds a lot like a natural, complex human being who needed counseling. Like the rest of us, you know. <laughs> that's an, a question that's come up a time or two. Is is yeah? Should he have? Could he have benefited from some counseling? Uh, and I don't know that we know that he didn't. I don't yeah. suspect that he yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, and he probably had people who helped counsel him. Uh, yes. I, yes. I, yes. Maybe. Maybe in the more the less formal settings of counseling. I'm sure he had counseling. But I think professional correct. counseling would help anybody. Exactly. I've been in professional counseling off and on for years, and. 
I feel a, a deep connection with Rich when I got to actually hold some of his journals and read some of his really personal words that we would never include oh, yeah. in a and, book. And does that does that get included in the book as well? Some, some of the journal entries. They, we or? we wanted some. Ben Pearson took all the official photographs, basically of Rich, that the iconic ones we know. And Ben and Jimmy are working on a really beautiful photo book. So those were kind of taken. As part of your pro- or their their own their project. own project. Yes. So we were able to use one for the cover um, that was manipulated for the cover in a really beautiful way, but. Uh, we needed more candidates, more conversational type photos, mm-hmm. and it, that was pre-digital era. We were trying to find them, and David McCracken, God bless his soul, he came recommended to me through several people, and someone whose voice I had not heard on tape a lot about Rich, come to find out that's David's story to tell, but it was because of the deep uh, relationship they had and his hmm. really inability to speak about it for a while. So David's become a friend, and David came over the first night to my house and laid out these just pictures upon pictures and handwritten lyrics and we were like oh my gosh can we use these because the handwritten lyrics I mean riches we needed yeah. rich in the book you know in that yeah. way so we found a gold mine from David but uh, there were some things we would never reprint because it too personal uh, yeah it doesn't behoove the book there's nothing salacious or anything yeah, yeah. but it yeah what's the point and yeah. um, but it helped me get some context around some things yeah. that I think I was wondering about and and you kind of want Rich to remain a little bit of a mystery. Everyone does. You know, that's part of his allure. So, but point is, reading some of those, I felt a deep connect with Rich. Um, some of, I think, his struggles, some of his tensions in his life. Uh, and I would say counseling has deeply benefited me. So that's how I can answer <laughs> that. Now, I would not say I'm rich by any means, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not making that direct correlation. I'm just saying... We only the, need a little bit of help. A bit of the spirit, yeah, and the spiritual torture he was in, in, in some yeah, ways, the yeah. way he kept himself in it. Yeah, I feel a bit of that. So we can go. We can get into that another time. Yeah. Uh, quick question about yeah. the quote unquote controversy. Is, yeah. it, is it because some of Mullins' lyrics have been finished? Is that what? Is, is that the controversy? Probably some purists don't like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would say that's what it. I don't. You know, and I say controversy is a strong word. I think criticism's right. Um, yeah, I think some of the critical nature is just about. Who are these, why, or why these guys? Like, I think if Jimmy Abeg had finished some of them, or one of the Ragmuffins, okay. you know, then maybe there'd maybe be a little less bit of that. Yeah. It was a little bit, I mean, these guys are dialed in writers, Phil Nash and Alexander, Alexander while they worked with Rich. Um, I, I don't know if I'd been in charge, I would have selected those songwriters, even though I think they're great men and great songwriters. You yeah. know what I mean? It's yeah. just, but this is, it, it, it's a, it's uh, you're getting into purist territory now because it's yeah. we have enough time and distance between it that we now don't have Rich's voice speaking into it what to do. Yeah, are are, are you familiar with Tolkien at all? Mm-hmm. So you know how his son has come along and like re, re like refashioned a lot of Tolkien's work. To me, it's a matter of like who's going to do it. Yeah, like who's the person and then like because yeah. Christopher Tolkien knows his dad yeah. has all the yeah. the archives. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know. It's a good question. Like if you're going to do something like that, it, it would have to be the right person. But I, I, would, I definitely, you know. But who? Yeah. But who? Because yeah. he doesn't have children, and David <laughs> Mullins, I don't think, is the one who his one. brother would poet. want to do that. Yeah. No. But, well, anyway. But it was it was a thrill to have his family. It was a thrill to have Dave Mullins' blessing on this. Yeah. I, I asked him specifically if that was the case. You know, I we would have continued in the book. I don't know if we would have continued without his blessing, but the point is it was an easy <laughs> blessing. Um, yeah. He and I have only had a handful of conversations together. He's coming up for some promo stuff we're doing around the book, and... I just, I think he has a pastoral heart. I think he's a gentle person. And I think he's, ironically, what Amy and Ashley were warning me about, he's the direct opposite. 
He does not try to, I feel like, control Rich's legacy. Mm. He does not say that he's got ownership. You know, he's, I feel like he's just honoring his brother. And he and I talk some in a, you can, if you pre-order the book yeah, through, when, yeah. Say a little bit about that. Yeah. You can pre-order the book. It comes out September 5th everywhere. But if you buy it before then through windsofheavenstuffofearth.com, which will send you to different portals. You can buy it on Amazon, Lifeway, whatever. Um, you come back and you put in your, anyone who's bought it at those retailers can put in their code, I, I don't, whatever, you know, your confirmation receipt. And there's a download package just for pre-buyers. Um, and that includes a 50-minute sit-down I had filmed with Dave Mullins, uh, specifically about 50? Like fi- 50. 5-0, yeah, cool. About his legacy and, and different things we talked some about. That's wonderful. About him, how do you feel 20 years later, and do we still talk about this and whatever. Cool. Uh, Brandon Heath did a really, uh, he and I did a version of the Creed that's just acoustic, it's not epic, it's mandolin, acoustic guitar, and piano. Yeah. But that's the only place you can get that. You can get the first several chapters of the book, and then some really cool rich quotes that they put into prints that I think are really cool. Um, so I think it's a worthwhile, you don't pay any more money for it, cool. and uh, you're one of the first people to get it. So I would encourage people, windsofheavenstuffofearth.com, and we just, we want to continue the conversation, and I think this is one piece of that that possibility. Very cool. Well, thanks for, for yeah, talking thank to you, us Chris. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My pleasure. Uh, maybe we'll have more to talk about in 2018. Yeah, the well, it's like the, ne- the next year <laughs> or so is, is, it's the year of Mullins. Yeah, yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah. So thanks again to Andrew Greer, and uh, thanks thanks to Dave Trout for inviting me to Escape to the Lake. Honestly, people, check this event out. Uh, you know, whatever is going to happen, it's a year away, but but please uh, check out Under the Radar or UTR Media. Um, actually, stay tuned to UTR Media because they have a lot of things that are going to be announced in the next couple of weeks. They are relaunching their podcast. So anyway, I, I'm just I'm incredibly grateful to Dave and I'm and to Andrew for his time. Now. Joe, we wanted to offer a little bit of reflection on the Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth book. Now, I want to help promote the book, and so I'm, I'm not going to be overly critical, but you do have some, some reflections, some, something that you wanted to bring out from the, what you heard in the interview. Well, you know, and again, I, I don't want to be overly critical either because I've, I've seen the book, and I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I genuinely don't, you know, have a lot of issue with the book. I think they did a, a, a great job on it. It's, it's going to be a book worth having on your bookshelf. So yeah, yeah. I, I'll get that out of the way first. Uh, the one part of the interview, eh, you know, maybe I'm one of the people that you know, he kind of called purists. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The, the song lyrics, we do know, though, he, I think he said that they were unfinished works. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how he worded it. But he sort of implied that those songs were not finished and that they had songwriters come in and finish those lyrics that were sort of incomplete. Um, We know that that's not exactly the case because those are songs that were from the uh, Beth Lutz early music. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is, is the songs that were altered in the book were actually finished songs. Mm -hmm. Now you could argue that maybe they weren't, some of Rich's best songs, but they were finished. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would sort of maybe fall on the purest line there, the disagree with him a little bit on that. But that said, we're talking uh, four songs. There's, you know, 
close to 300 pages in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very, very minor criticism of an overall pretty good book. You know, what's interesting, you know, he, he said it really quickly, but Greer did say, you know what, why, why were these particular guy well, it was phil nash and somebody that i can't remember but he was kind of like why these guys so so even greer it, it doesn't look like greer had much of a choice in the matter um yeah it, and we should say that andrew greer it's not like he hired those guys to finish the songs for this book that was done i think several years prior yeah so it is what it is and sometimes things just happen i guess yeah meh okay it, so, you know, you know, you know, yeah, very minor criticism. I don't think it takes away from the book overall. Yes. So, I, you know, you know, I'll, I'll just put this out there. You would probably want to put me into the quote unquote purist camp as well. Uh, that I fall into that category, but uh, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, it was interesting to hear that a, a peek into what the tribute album could become. It sounds like, and he was he was leaving a hint. It sounds like they they might do a hybrid of they take some of these old Mullen songs and then they like they did with that where I am that you may also be. They'll link it into a new recording. So it might be a duet with Mullins and Andrew Peterson or you know somebody like that. Yeah, now, which is interesting because that's sort of I mean along the lines of what. Uh, Jimmy told us they were talking about doing for the Be Gods project as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, you know, I don't, what do you think about that? You know, it if if it's if it's done in a tasteful way and it's and it's done um, uh, sparingly. If it's done just a little bit, I'll, I'll be okay with it. I think a whole album it just that would be overkill to me. But maybe if it's like like two songs or something like that, then okay, it's you know. What I think worked on the Jesus record with that where I am there you may also be is that they only did it on the one song mm-hmm. and it, it, it closed the album and I thought if yeah. they would have tried doing that you know with every song or, or yeah. even even two or three I think it would have been overkill yeah. I think it worked because it was the one yeah yeah, yeah. So I, I, I agree with you on that I'd like to you know I don't necessarily have a problem with them doing that I hope it's not overdone and yeah. I, I do hope that it, they stay true to the original song that was recorded by Rich without changing it too much. Yep, I hope the music stays. I hope they're faithful to the music for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, a couple of other little little uh, things that I picked up on with the interview. Uh, when Greer talked with Amy Grant and um, Ashley Cleveland, they said that uh, no one has the the hold on his story or, or on his legacy. So I, I'm just curious. I don't. I wonder, like, what he might be referencing there. I'm just curious, like, who who thinks they have a hold on his story? Um, there, to me, there seems like there's a story behind that that I just didn't. I didn't have the the chutzpah to ask him, <laughs> and I didn't ask him after the interview either. That's an interesting question, uh, and and you know, not one I I couldn't even speculate into. You know, even if there is, even if that was implying that there was somebody that felt that they had a a hold on the Rich Mullins legacy. Mm-hmm. I think there have been attempts to hijack Rich mm-hmm. and his, you know, quote unquote message over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I have a much bigger problem with the people that are having, I, I, if there's anybody that has a hold or is keeping Rich Mullins legacy hostage, um, I would say it's the people that are not allowing his music to be reissued. Yeah. Um, right. That's a big issue. <laughs> That's a big issue. Um, that's a bad pun. 
Um, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. Um, I, I would say this, as far as the book is concerned, there are so many people that, are, that, that contributed to the book. Like, so many. I do think it would have been much better that Beth Snellutz would have been would have been given one of the chapters. I'm talking four or five pages. That's all it would have taken. I don't fully understand why she was omitted from the story, especially since uh, she was gracious enough to give the music to him. Just saying. I agree with you on that. And and the one thing about this, aside from, and I'm just going back from memory, so if I'm wrong, forgive me, but aside from David Mullins, I think pretty much everybody in the book was really sort of from the Nashville years and on. Um, yeah. And I don't know that, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I think that largely the people that were spoken to for that book were people within the industry. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Beth is no doubt an outsider when it comes to the, the Nashville music industry. Um, you know, I, I agree with you. I think it would have been a nice gesture. I don't know that it was a you know intentionally meant to be a slight, um, but yeah, it's a good point. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get Beth stories in, in, in a, into a larger audience at some point. We'll write our own book, Chris. There you go. There you go. Now, here's my last point. If you have something else, you can bring it up too. Here's one of the more interesting. Well, there's two revelations. One is uh, Reed Arvin co-producing or helping however, however we want to put that that's a big deal Man, that was a big scoop right there yeah that's very exciting i'm i mean i i, I can't imagine how like you know you could tell greer he's just like man i'm i'm getting to know reed arvin like he, he he was he was just enamored you know he was he felt honored oh and and you know what he greer scared me what he, he said you know because initially i was like <clears throat> wow reed arvin coming out of retirement doing this record this is awesome mm -hmm. and then he brought up the fact that uh of what Reed told him that man, the last album I did was Liturgy, mm -hmm. and you and you go, oh man, man, maybe maybe he shouldn't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like you yeah. know, to to come you know to come back twenty five years later and make a follow up to that. Yeah, that that's a tough act to follow. It is. Um, so this is you know I, I bet you this is somewhat daunting for for Reed Arvin, but. What I will say is that, you know, having the under the radar, the UTR backing of this record, uh, having tapped Andrew Greer, who's an extremely talented guy himself, Andrew Osenga, who is a phenomenal producer and uh, musician and artist in his own right, having these people at the helm uh, co-producing with Reed Arvin, uh, I don't think that uh, Reed Arvin could have asked for a better team yeah, backing him to sort of make his Rich Mullins comeback project. Yeah, all I have to say to them is, if you can win me over to your tribute project, then they will have succeeded on some incredibly high level. Yeah, if you can even get Chris to even bother <laughs> picking up a copy, then you've you have totally. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, and you know what? One thing I will mention was I thought that, uh, and you and I both I think agree that. Greer's thoughts on the Brothers Keeper album really have me uh, itching to discuss that album. Uh, yeah. Because I think you and I both sort of disagree with him a little. Yeah, I mean, we all know it's rough around the edges, but I really like Brothers Keeper. And and I know it's not as produced as, you know, Liturgy or even the, several of his albums, but it's a great album. It really is. So th th but this has inspired me to challenge them with their tribute project. Okay. 
they've got Reed Arvin tapped to uh, co-produce this record. What I want now is I want Reed Arvin's Brothers Keeper. Oh, so you mean like the tribute album should just be the Brothers Keeper songs? It should just be the Brothers Keeper album <laughs> redone how Reed Arvin would have done it. Actually, hey, you know what? Forget doing a tribute album. Let's just wipe the, the backing tracks. Let's take Rich's vocals. I want to hear Reed Arvin's version of it. I cannot agree with you more. That that's that's let's do it. Let's George Lucas up. We're gonna George <laughs> Lucas Brothers Keeper it's special Brothers edition. Keeper. Special edition. Special edition Brothers Keeper. The Reed Arvin edition. Yes, yes. That that's wonderful. Great. I I think it's great. I agree with you fully. All right. Let's make <laughs> this happen. We'll start it. We'll start a Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah. We'll see how that goes. Uh, okay. My last point. And I think this might be the biggest revelation of the Greer interview. And and I, you know I don't know where Greer got this, but it seems like this 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 seemed like he was saying something that was said about Mullins in the '80s, which was to make Mullins into a Phil Collins of CCM. That's really interesting to me. Yeah, I never <clears throat> thought of it that way, but it it. <laughs> it puts those first two albums into some context, doesn't it? It really, yeah. So if you go listen to some Phil Collins solo albums, which I have two on L on vinyl, by the way, I I have two Phil Collins. I have no jacket required in face value. What is it called? Yeah, whatever they're called. I have those. Yeah, listen to them, and you can hear I was, the. I was more of a Genesis man myself. I I was too, actually. But yeah, the the, the Phil Collins solo stuff came later. Oh, I was a big Genesis fan. Big Genesis. Okay. You know, season five of the podcast, Genesis. Uh, <laughs> so it's, it's Carmen, it's Delirious, Billy Joel, and Genesis. Yes, yes. We're just giving away all our secrets, but no one's listening, so it's okay. Uh, it's all good. But yeah, if you listen to those first two albums, you really hear, okay, so yeah, this is some kind of, kind of, they were going for that tight 80s pop sound. They really were. And I don't know, that just really, that, that put something in perspective for me when he said the whole, the Phil Collins, the CCM thing. So, yeah, there you go. And interesting that they would name, they would title the book after the album where essentially Mullen said no. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, he changed his sound, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, it was, there's still a little bit of it there, but it was yeah. a drastic change in sound from Pictures in the Sky to Winds of Heaven. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was. Well, there you go. Any other reflections, Joe? Uh, no, just uh, want to tell you, man, it was a great interview. I enjoyed it. I know our listeners, I'm sure, did. And, uh, you know, the, the book, uh, totally going to be worth checking out. Uh, but, man, I'm even more excited about what they're going to do with this tribute album. Yeah, uh, let's see. Really, yeah, kind of thrilled to see what happens there over the next few months. And uh, we'll keep everybody posted. Yep. So thanks for listening to our bonus episode. Again, if you feel called to come to the Window Rock concert on September 16th. Uh, you know, hey, find your way out there. Uh, you can drive or you can fly, e either way. Uh, actually, if you fly, you probably will need to drive anyway, right? There's the, the closest airport is Albuquerque. It's two and a half hours. So, yeah, you're going to fly in and then you're going to drive in. Yeah. You could rent a horse as well. I don't know if that's recommended, but, you know, it's possible. Uh, anyway, so if you, if you feel called to come to Window Rock, please do. But also if you feel called to support this project and to support what Joe's putting together, it's really a lot of work to put on an event like this of this scale. And so he does need some financial support. So please check out BetweenTheSongsPodcast.com and click on the Support the Window Rock Tribute event.
yep, the, all the information's up there. And, uh, yeah, we hope to see you there. Come on out for the, our live taping of the Between the Songs podcast. It's only going to be six hours long. <laughs> yes, that'll be the edited version. So <laughs> thanks again for listening, and uh, we will, we will, uh, you will hear from us soon with another bonus episode. Thanks again for listening to Rich Mullins Between the Songs podcast. Mm-hmm.